Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. This is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here at the Ryan Caraveo. What up? She said it right. <laughs> yes. Caraveo. Caraveo. <laughs> However you want to say it. It's cool. <laughs> you were originally born in Seattle or? Yes. I was born in Seattle where it rains all the time. Are your parents originally from there? Uh, my mom's from California. Oh. Uh, I have two dads. One's a stepdad, but I call them both dads. So mm. I have a dad that's from there and then I have another one that's from the south. So they yeah. moved to Seattle for their job or? To be honest, I have no idea why they moved to Seattle. I think my mom married my dad. He brought her there. Oh, my dad was in the military. Oh, okay. So um, that's how they ended up there. My dad was already there. My other dad was already there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one dad who's in the military and my, my other dad, he's worked in like, uh, like in body shops like his whole life since oh, he was like 13. Oh, okay. And so he like builds cars. He built me a dope ass car when I turned 16. Mm-hmm. He gave me like a hot rod that he like built as a 72 Skylark. I don't yeah. know what that is, but it was fire. <laughs> Anyways, that's how they met. Um, and yeah, I'm from Seattle. Now, <laughs> now I live in Los Angeles though, mm-hmm. where it's sunny all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of music were your parents playing in the house when you were growing up? Let's see. They didn't really play music in the house. I always watch interviews where people like, my parents was always playing funk and like rhythm and blues and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all I listened to growing up was like hip hop and uh, like alternative music mm-hmm. like Linkin Park. And did you gravitate towards Eminem at such a young age? Or I how did. old were you? How did you know that? <laughs> a little Nard War. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I listened to Eminem when a lot. I think everybody did. Eminem used to be, like, really great, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I said, I'm not, like, into his music as much anymore, but yeah. he definitely influenced me a lot when I was a kid. I listened to a lot of Eminem, uh, I listened to a lot of Kid Cudi, uh, Linkin Park, I think, a, like, a good blend. Massline, Massline is, like, a big, well, for me, at least, it was, like, the, the movement in Seattle, mm-hmm. like, of the rappers I really lo- looked up to, like, um... Common uh, common Market, Blue Scholars, Abyssinian Creole. I'm probably I don't know if anyone else was a part of Massline, but there was like a lot more rappers from Seattle that were like huge in the scene at the time. Macklemore was kind of a part of that era too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember that was my first that was my first show that I went to was the Massline show. Yeah. And uh, how old were you at that point? Shoot, I was probably like. 12 years old oh wow maybe maybe 11 12 and like the blue scholars um they used to like play in these record shops called silver platters and so i used to go like watch them there was like 20 30 people and i got to meet them after i was like hella young and super hyped i bought all their cds and their all their merch i still have my ma- like this rainbow mass line shirt it's super fire <laughs> it's all like crusty like from when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I keep it because it's like a relic <laughs> it's super tight who else were you buying your rap battles back then well we mainly did those at like uh, at my high school at lunchtime yeah we set up these battles in the parking lot because we had like an open campus you know and we got a camera and you'd like pick your opponent 
yeah. the, the day before, so you'd have like a day to write, because this is when like written battles were a thing. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then there would be like three rounds, like hella people, and you just clown on each other. For, so how like, many like people were into rap? There must have been so many people. That was such a big like. Well, battle. I think it wasn't as many at the school. Not so many people were into like rap battles as they were like watching two people clown on uh, each other. Yeah. Right. Some people got like hella butt hurt, but I went in. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna <laughs> name names, but. Do you still have bodied them. <laughs> do you still have those videos? Yeah, I do. Are they they're online? On, no, they're not online. I took them down. <laughs> I said some hurtful things. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to take them down out of respect, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I learned how to rap, was mm. by insulting people. Yeah. And so, it was like a very direct... Mom, you must be so good at insulting people I'm now. great at it. I look forward to arguments. <laughs> like, if I'm in a customer service place and somebody's being a dickhead to me, I'm like... Ooh, please continue. <laughs> you know what I'm did, that, that, did that ever translate into like debating debates in school or like with my teachers? You know, what like I mean? on like politics or what? No, no, I didn't. Here. I didn't really participate a whole lot in like extra stuff at school. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like stupid. I just didn't like. I di I did what I had to to pass. You know what I'm saying? It's just mm -hmm. I knew like in middle school what I wanted to do as a career you know and make music so i realized that you have to graduate and stuff like that but i didn't really want to do anything beyond that so i didn't like go all in in high school you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying so your parents didn't push you academically no no i wouldn't say like they did they wanted me to do well you know what i'm saying they yeah. wanted me to like thrive in life but they school wasn't for them either they didn't pursue education after high school so they didn't expect it of me either mm. um and so it's like, I mean, they knew they knew what I wanted to do, and they trusted me. So, you know, they just said, all right, as long as you graduate, you're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? How else would you describe your personality back then growing up? My personality growing up? Let's see. Very, um, I would say my personality is sarcastic, moody, and, uh, I think those two things. It's either I'm either like everything's a joke or I'm being really moody. But even when I'm really mo moody, everything's a joke. I like laugh <laughs> at myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so even in like when I make songs sometimes, they're like moody lyrics, but I'm like, I don't want this to be a sad song. So then we'll just put the moody lyrics over a happy sounding mm. guitar or something Yeah. to make a joke out of it. Because I think it would be really cool to have a bunch of people happily singing a song that I wrote when I was really yeah, really really pissed off it's, just, <laughs> it's really funny to me yeah. you know what i mean it's like everybody's making fun of me in a way but they don't know it and that's funny to me <laughs> so yeah and do you think you got your confidence that you could do music as a career from the other people that you met in seattle like were they able to make it their career i think i got confidence from two things one when i was a kid like, I moved around a lot. Like, mm -hmm. every year or two, I was in a new school completely, in a new city. So, you know, so it, like, like around, reset. or so where? So it was, like, like around down, Like, in Seattle, Oregon, Kansas, California. Oh, like wow. throughout California. So every two years, I had to make new friends. Because of your dad's military, or? Exactly. Yeah. And then I didn't go to, uh, I didn't do school after high school, you know? So... But I was like through through that. I think I'm was pretty decent at you know. I was pretty decent at talking to people. Mm -hmm. So. 
right uh, right after high school I started uh, I started selling everything I worked for phone companies I sold phones I sold cars I sold everything under the sun and like you know you just have to put yourself out there and like sell things to people you know what I mean and so mm-hmm. I think between those two things I was like oh I can I'm, I have no problem getting in front of people and convincing them mm-hmm. you know what I mean like this is what I'm about and like let me tell you why you know yeah. what I'm saying so, so, so you were working those jobs when you were living with your parents like around 19 or how old yeah yeah you? through that right after high school 18 uh, no 16 when I got my first legal job like on the books mm-hmm. and then before that I was like washing cars at my dad's body shop um and all sorts of shit you know what I mean just mm-hmm. like cash jobs so did sales come easy to you or did you have yeah, your parents teach super you how easy. to do it. No, it was super easy. I think if you're going to do like sales, just like if you're going to be like an entrepreneur, if somebody has to teach you how to like want to like uh, make your own rules and make your own world and do things your way, like if somebody has to teach that to you, it's mm-hmm. not for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just either in your nature or you're not. You yeah. can like do you can do something in that world, but I think if you're going to like shoot to the moon with it, if you have any potential to shoot to the moon with it like it just has to be in you already kind mm-hmm. of, you know what I'm saying so and during that time did you have a studio set up at home or how were you doing music while doing all the sales uh so in after high school oh, yeah yeah and after high school yeah. I was recording at a studio called undercast in Seattle um so I took all my money that I was making elsewhere put it all right back into music I took every penny I earned started spending it on videos and it's just been my philosophy the whole way because I mean you have to convince people you know what I mean that you're worth it so if you don't invest in yourself no one else is gonna I just take everything I earn even to this day I just dump it all back so every round like the videos are gonna get doper the music's gonna sound better and you're just gonna have access to more you know mm-hmm. and what did your parents think when you told them that you wanted music to be your career uh, they were, they were like hella supportive. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were super supportive. Because it's like what I wanted to do. I wasn't like ever, I, I never like looked at like big artists and be and was like, oh, I want it easy. And like, oh, it'd be so nice to just like be able to kick it and have all these nice things. Like, I enjoy making music. I enjoy like the process of it all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like. It's not, it's not about getting somewhere. Like, I like waking up and doing this every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could see that. And what clicked you to change your name from Lone change One? Change my name? I think it was just, like, Lone One. It's, like, I still sometimes make a lot of moody songs, I'll admit. But mm. with a name like Lone One. One, yeah. I was still, like, having to explain. When, mm. I don't know, like, being an artist with, like zero buzz or zero name going over to like a girl's house and explaining to their parents what you do like oh i'm a rapper named lone one i was just like man i'm just gonna call myself by my name it's a lot easier my music is about my life anyway so it's like why would i have an alias if there's nothing like anonymous about my music you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying it's like just what goes on in my life so Mm -hmm. but now i kind of like wish I was able to change my name sometimes. Really? Why? I don't know, like I could I can I can name myself anything in the world and that's a cool thing. I just wish I could sometimes, I mm. guess. But what kind of name would you want? Hmm. I don't know. I want I'd name myself I rename myself to Rai Rai. Probably. How do you spell that? R Y R Y. Oh okay. That's what I want. That's what yeah. everyone 
That's what my family calls me. Oh. Everyone calls me Rai Rai. Would you do like a side project or just kind of like you dreaming? I might. I might. There nice. might be. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> there might be one coming soon. How did you get your music out there initially? Um, when I started making music, um, I was, what'd I do? I printed up CDs in middle school, started selling those like at recess mm -hmm. and lunch, you know? And uh, after that, I started just playing shows in my city. I put it, like the internet was a thing, so I put it up on iTunes and Spotify and all that. Like, um, and then I would just stand outside of bigger shows and like pass out flyers to my shows, like when big artists come to sell out arenas and mm -hmm. our big venues in Seattle. Did that work? Yeah. I mean, if a thousand people are at a show and you got three people passing out flyers and like, we're talking like we're talking. Yeah. And we're like, yo, you do, if you're not busy Saturday and we have a good conversation, why would you not come check mm -hmm. it out? So you found those people to sell on your behalf? Yeah, like people who believed in nice. the music that were like helping me out at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just did that. And then besides that, the internet just kind of did its thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To like have the amount of fans that I do right now, which is an insane thing. Like people didn't have access to that a decade ago, you know? Mm -hmm. But were you, was this like before your time for MySpace and stuff or were you? Oh no, I was on MySpace. I was yeah. coding my I was own like, profile. You missed, I was like, you had the CDs and then you jumped to Spotify. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what did you do with MySpace? For some reason, I don't even like <laughs> think about it, but I definitely had a MySpace profile. I had like, yeah, where you could move your own profile around. That shit was fun. And you're putting your music on there? Like, Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, adding like as many friends as I could and spamming my favorite artists in their message. Yeah. Hey, check me out. Let me get a feature, bro. <laughs> what do you think gave you the initial big momentum? Big momentum? Yeah. Uh, was probably my song called uh, Paradise. Mm -hmm. um, that song just kind of took off on its own. Like, there wasn't like a secret on... Uh, Pandora first okay. and then Spotify it's at like 19 million on Spotify Wow! it has like close to like 100 million on Pandora Wow! Um, but that song just like grew legs of its own it mm -hmm. became just ended up on a lot of people's playlists and uh, yeah there's like no explanation for it yeah though. what was the time span between when you first started putting out music to that song that song was on my first album but like, so how old were you at that time? How old was I? I want to say that came out in, I want to say I was like maybe 19 or 20. Oh, and okay. And it, it came out, I had a song called Where the Sun Sets. That was the first single. Then I put out Paradise. And uh, probably that, in, a, yeah. in like a year's time, Paradise like. That's crazy. So was legs. it shocking to you? Like you're just making music with your brother and all of a sudden you're like at a more national or international level. Yeah, it is. It's shocking, but I still see like, there's like a million miles to go. I still like want to decode. Like I want, I just, right now I'm just focusing every single day on like writing better songs. Like, yeah, it's cool. It has 20 million, but like, how can I be more honest? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? When I write a song, how can I make the hook even better? Mm -hmm. How can we make the production like flesh out even, you know, so it locks in even more like how yeah. can we turn 20 to 40 40 to 60 because i believe in the music you know what i mean so and i believe there's a higher level that i could be doing it at so i'm just trying to figure that out right now mm -hmm. you know what i mean and was there a turning point that you wanted to quit all of your side jobs and just do music 
oh yeah, I think every independent artist hits a point where they're working their job, they hate their job, yeah. and they're like, you know what, man? Forget this. I just need to quit my job so I have time to work on music more. And then we quit our job, and then... You, uh, you meaning you and your brother, or...? No, I'm saying I did. Oh. I'm saying and every independent artist oh, okay. that I know has done this. Yeah. You quit your job, and then you realize that you just have too much time on your hands. You know what I mean? There's nothing to balance. Yeah. You can't work on music for 12 hours a day every day. <laughs> That's so true. You'll just go crazy. Or you'll make a lot of things that you end up not loving. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I quit lots of jobs. I worked so many different jobs. I worked, I unloaded like box trucks at Ross to stock the shelves. I worked at Zoomies. I worked at Fur I sold clothes at Forever 21. I worked at car dealerships, phone companies. Um, I worked, I held jobs for like weeks at a time. I'm like, no, I don't like this. I don't like this until I found, you know, I worked everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so was there a turning point that you realized that you're making enough for music or? Yeah, there was a point in time where like I was making enough for music to like, you know, pay my bills and still be good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is cool. But even when I hit that point, I kept working my job because mm. I was like, I waited a good like six, seven months to make sure it was like. That's smart. Because when I first, you know, made a decent check off of music ever, I was like, wait, <laughs> someone's gonna hit me up like they made a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, so I didn't like believe it. So I like, I kept it to the side mm -hmm. and forgot about it like that ain't even mine. Wow. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I waited and I was like, okay, I could probably quit my job now. And so then once I did that, the pressure like was like, not pressure, but it's like, okay, I can't, like, bullshit anymore. Like, this yeah. is, like, what I do. I can't ever, ever skip a session to go do this or skip. Mm. Not that I ever was, but, like, yeah. it's that much more serious. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. How did you meet your management? I don't have a manager. But people must have hit you up over time. Or did you have before? Um, when I was first starting in Seattle, yeah. Um, I had my friend that was helping me out with, like, management stuff. But they're... We had, we went our separate ways. Yeah. And um, I'm still unmanaged. Is I'm that a unmanaged. like conscious decision that you didn't want anyone to manage you? Well, no. Like I definitely want somebody to help me up with management. I think they can unlock a lot of things. Uh, but right now, like, a lot of managers have like approached me and like they want to help with communications and a calendar i'm a very structured person like mm. i i set my day up I, yeah. man, I run my books i do my taxes you know what i mean so i talk i teach myself as much as i can so that way if somebody wants to come and add a piece to the business yeah they can't like inflate what it is that they're actually doing you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like if if a manager is going to take a potential 15%, yeah. they better be adding a lot more than 15%. Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. on Have a you put on people on level. like trials like for like a few months or how how do you know basically when you meet the right person? Hmm. Isn't that the question of life? True. How do you know when you meet the right person? <laughs> read the right manager. I don't know. Have you ever like <laughs> have you ever like actually fallen in love? Like you just know. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you've been on 15 dates with somebody, you're dating somebody for like a month, yeah, and you still don't know, like that ain't it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, I think, uh, I think that with management or people in general, it's just all about excitement. 
It's not about like mm. with a. Well, I don't think with like a label or manager or a relationship. It's not like somebody just approaches you and they have a list of things that they're like, yo, I can do all these things for you. Like, let me be your manager. It's just like, first, yeah, they have to be able to work for you, but um, they have to be excited about mm-hmm. you is the most important thing. How about the team that you have, though? Uh, me and Teal, my producer, mm-hmm. we're a good team. You know, we make all the music and uh, we plan and plot world domination together. Yeah. And... Um, from everything from like branding um but yeah we're uh we're a really good team he he used to work at the studio i recorded at in seattle oh wow and i found out he made beats at the time and that's how we started working and now we both live down here mm-hmm. what's your inspiration for peanut butter waffles my inspiration for peanut butter waffles is that's my favorite food that when i came to visit when i was living with my dad Mm-hmm. And I came to visit my mom when we weren't living together. She used to, like, make hella waffles and throw peanut butter and syrup on it because that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And so that's my favorite food. And then I wrote peanut butter waffles. I was living in my apartment in Seattle. And I was just kind of, like, bummed out. And I just wrote that song one day. And it's just, like, literally everything that happened that day. I wasn't trying to write any concepts or, like, think about <clears throat> some past event that happened in my life or, like, ambitiously think about where I want to be next year I just like oh this is where I'm at and like Mm -hmm. that's how that song came about and uh it is just like a guitar there's no drums on it and so coming from like a rap world at first I was uh kind of nervous I don't know how my fans were gonna like receive the song but everyone's been real supportive so it's super dope actually yeah what's the decision to transition from rap to more of the I guess singing or um it's not really like a conscious decision like mm-hmm. hey let's try to do this now like on my first album i had like where the sunsets i had like re- super poppy sounding songs mm-hmm. um i enjoy like indie and pop music just as much as i do rap i like going to like raves more than any other show like i really enjoy electronic music oh, wow. um so it's just like i'm just putting a magnifying glass over like oh I forgot, like, I also love, this is a huge part of me that I don't highlight because Mm -hmm. people know me as a rapper, so I felt like I had to keep rapping, you know what I mean? So, I'm really, it's it's not, like, anything that, like, we're consciously attempting to do, it's just, um, this is how the music sounds, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? How about for Deceived? Uh, Deceived? Um, that's kind of, like, the same thing, like, I don't, we just do it, like, it kind of has, like, EDM influences in it. Yeah a little bit um like fucking with the vocals to make a melody um but yes it's kind of the same thing it like leans alternative we use a lot of guitars because i was uh i was listening through like i went one of these days i was just going through music i used to listen to and i listened to the limp biscuit album Mm -hmm. chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water i was like damn a lot of people laugh at Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit, like, they're a joke, but um, I was like, damn, these melodies are fire. Yeah. Like, these guitars are sick. And uh, I was like, we should do some shit like this. And then, um, yeah, so we just started using more guitars. And so that's just kind of how the music sounds now. Like, I still rap sometimes. I guess I just don't feel limited to do one thing or the other. Mm. Like, some of my fans will like these songs and they'll only like those, and that's okay. 
But I think overall they understand that like I'm just doing what I like to do, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What are your inspirations for your music videos? So I feel like they're all shot so cohesively and uh -huh. they all have certain storylines, even like the color correction and everything. Yeah. Are there a certain like directors or music video, oh sorry, uh, uh, movies that you're inspired by? Movies? Yeah, I mean I wish, yeah, I love just like the grain and just how 90s movies, like 90s mob movies are filmed. Mm. Not that, that you can see that in any of my music videos right now, but just the overall aesthetic, like that's my favorite. And then in terms of our music videos, especially the ones that are about to come out, yeah. um, I just try to do something, especially on the ones coming up that are not out yet, just try to do something that people, that's hard to replicate, you know what I mean? Like, whether it be a stunt or like acting more or, um, Y'all to say like stunt stuff, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, just because I want it to be like have something juicy that's hard to replicate, and like I just want to like impress the homies, like damn, like you leveled up on this one. Yeah. And sometimes the song just calls for like a vibe, like deceived. Like it's a simple video. We didn't really like have a big concept, but Sam did a good job at just capturing the mood and the colors. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a cool vibe. How would you say I've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I like that question. How have I grown as a person? Uh, I've never been as honest as I am right now, mm. just like with who I am. I think that, I think when people are young, they're on a quest to let everyone know that they don't give a fuck and like, yo, this is what I like and this is what I am. But like, there's no need to scream that yeah. if that's how you really are. So, so I'm just really honest and I don't care like, if people want to judge me for the things that I make or the things that I love. And I'm just, I'm just more honest with people that I care about. If it's my mom or my brother or whoever it is, you know, if they look unhappy, I'll just say, hey, Leo, you look unhappy because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I like to, like, help people solve their problems by, you know, just being honest with them and, like, encouraging the people I care about to be, you know, open about their feelings and talk mm -hmm. about them. Because I think a lot of people, including myself when I was younger, take pride in, like, the walls that they can build up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just being able to, like, be cold and, like, I don't even need to talk about that. I'm good. I'm good. And so it's 2019. I think everyone knows that that kills you. And it's not anything to romanticize anymore. Mm. And um, so that's, that's the biggest way that I've changed, I think. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just more uh, honest about those things. And in my music, I'm not trying to, like continue a narrative or like this is the artist and brand that I am so this is what I gotta do it's just like yo on this album this is what I wanted to make and so this is why it sounds like this mm -hmm. you know what I mean and you can definitely hear that on on the next album nice yeah other than that what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far in your life the biggest challenges in my life hmm that's a tough one the biggest challenges in my life. Well, I've been doing music my whole life and um, I put it before everything. And I put, um, you know, there's no one to monitor your work if you're making art, yeah, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no one to give you a schedule or an award when you hit your goal for the day. Mm -hmm. It's just you. And so it, it looks like a very free flowing thing and you just get to do what you want but to constantly like miss big events 
and to lose a lot of friends over the years because I don't kick it as much or I don't show up. Um, I'd say that's the, that's one of the hardest things, like the need, to, the the want, I should say, to be social mm-hmm. and have a social life, and uh, and try to explain that like nobody understands how hard most people don't understand how hard like a dedicated artist actually works and how much of their mental space is dedicated from the moment they wake up to when they go to bed to thinking about making their art better and progressing with it. And yeah. so it seems like a very like self-centered thing too. So it's it's a it's hard it's a hard one to explain, but I think at this point the people who really care about me understand it now. And uh yeah, I'd say that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. one of the most difficult things, but yeah. but we good now. We're good. <laughs> Everyone who cares cares and uh it's all good. Mhm. Yeah. What does love mean to you? Love to me. Love to me. See, I just caught myself up because I said I put music before I, before everything. Yeah, no, I said love means everything to me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I would say no. I caught myself up because I said I put music before everything, but love when you love somebody or something, you put it before yourself. Mhm. So and I, I do do that with the people that I love in my life um, very often. And uh, I do that with music too, you know? Like I'll go, yeah. I'm not gonna say too much on the topic, but s- simply put, love is when something makes you feel so much emotion, so you put it or that person before yourself. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You love it more than you. I'm using the word love to explain it. <laughs> but I think you get yeah, it. Yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Mm. I've been thinking about dying a lot lately. Not like in a morbid or sad yeah. way. I'm enjoying life right now. But I've been thinking about dying because everyone thinks about the first stage once you die. Like once you die... All that's left is the memory of you. Yeah. But eventually, everyone who remembered you dies too. Yeah. And then, like two, three stages, your memory of you is gone. If you have like an ultra, ultra legacy, you might last a few generations. Yeah. But eventually, if you get really far, you're in a history book that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> so, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think everything we stress over and break our backs over truly doesn't matter. Um, again, you should take pride in what you love and what you do, but you should also remember that it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't take life too seriously. Um, and a lot of my older music, I want to be remembered for what I said and did with my music. More importantly, like, once I put myself into position, like, what I'm able to do and who I'm able to help, whether it's, like, strangers, whether it's, like, with influence... But most importantly, like the people I grew up with and the people in the city where I'm from and the people I care about who are trying to mm-hmm. do whatever's important to them. Just like give people shit that they've never had or never thought that they could have in their lifetime. That's what's important to me. Yeah. I want millions of dollars just so that I can like afford to do shit for people that they thought they could never do in their life. Mm-hmm. I want to have influence so I can kick doors down and just be like, yo, no, this is cool now, actually. And actually, you should pay attention to this and not mm-hmm. that um, in in a positive way. So, yeah. um, 
and I want to be remembered for, there's a lot of people, you know, a few years ago I didn't have that mindset. It was just like a com competitive thing and I just wanted to be like great for no reason but to be great and it's mm. just kind of like baseless, you know what I mean? So I want to be remembered for being that and evolving and changing into like a good person and caring and actually giving a shit. Yeah. I want to be remembered for that, you know what I mean? So I don't just want to like wipe the slate clean and be like, yo, this is who I always was because I think a lot of people don't change because they feel like if people are in a bad place or they have bad habits that they're aware of they don't change because they're like fuck it like this is what i am it's mm -hmm. too late and so it's never too late i guess yeah. i just want to be remembered for for all of the above all those things mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i love that this is awesome yeah. yeah thank you so much yeah absolutely thank you <laughs> bye see ya Rossi, who's Myro, um, our manager, we had like a four-way window on Skype. I'd never mm -hmm. done one before, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was sat there just like, don't know what to say, trying to make a joke, but like they might take it wrong. Because like one of them I'd never met and one of them yeah. I'd met like once before. So um, yeah, we, we spoke about maybe like the possibility of coming out here and doing some stuff and like it all, it all rolled from there, basically. Mm -hmm. Like kind of got here and we realized there was a bunch of like UK kids putting in the work, so. It was, a, it was a really nice kind of vibe, you know? And then how did it click to you that you wanted to be with them, like, after that? I'll be honest, um, Myro, so Rossi, he he manages, like, our, our like, act. He manages a whole bunch of acts, like, um, Barely Alive and Virtual. Mm -hmm. and, but he, he, like, he, he he's half of the label as well, or a third even, I should say. And he, he does, like, sort of two jobs. So, kind of, he introduced us to the label side of things. And then, like, when we worked with him as, as like, you know, as manager or him as our manager that was kind of when we were like yeah we're in good hands man like <laughs> we've been through a lot of tricky situations a lot of sticky ones and you know when you're our age Josh is 31 I'm 28 we're not like kids you know so when you've been like in a few management situations or a few label situations or anything like that and they haven't gone the way you initially planned Meeting someone like Rossi seems a bit too good to be true, mm. you know? And like the whole Disciple crew, all these videos, you were like, right, they all look like real posy and everyone's real happy, but is it like that? And, and that was kind of our initial like concern, or at least it was mine. Um, 
and yeah, no, it really is. Like, there is a great, great vibe, and being a small label in a small kind of genre, it's like it's easy to maintain that really good vibe. Yeah. And that's what it is, really. It's just a really good family vibe, and everyone looks out for everyone. There's no bitchiness. Like everyone's supporting mm. everyone's music. Someone has a release, and it's bumped on everyone's pages, and that's great. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a guy in the office doing it. It's us. You know. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that that'll always kind of make. People like me and Josh, you know, want to like gravitate towards that. It's just like sweet, man. Mm-hmm. Actual, real people being really nice to each other, and it's refreshing. It's yeah. like you want to make music and send it to someone who you flip and respect, and have them get right back to you, and like, you know, send send their shit, and like, you know, it's just really nice. Nothing's contrived or fake. It's just it's real. It's, it's like it's rare. It's a unique thing that they've got, and they've worked like five years to get that. Yeah. So, yeah. Big up Disciple Crew. Does it feel a bit different because you've been in like bands and doing drums your whole life and now maybe you categorize under more of like a EDM producer or...? Uh, no, not, not particularly. So I'm yeah. like, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't champion my production skills. I suck. I'm pretty deaf, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I've, I've done like thousands of shows in my life. Um, I wouldn't... I think I did a hearing test recently and I struggled to hear over 10.5k. So oh my gosh. I'm like... I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm heading for a hearing aid before I'm like 35, so I wouldn't like jump in the producer seat and want to make a banger straight away. But like in in terms of like songwriting, I still enjoy like putting together a, a, a piece of work. That being said, Josh has worked on everything in the last two EPs, mm-hmm. the one that we just dropped, Echoes, and this new one. He's basically just been whipping them up, yeah. fucking quick. Like I think he did this last one in one week, <laughs> but like. The, the, the bulk of the work, I, like, you know, in one day, I'm pretty sure he sent me over two almost finished songs kind of from that EP that are both on the EP. So he's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, as far as, like, my contribution, like, so I've got a sample pack coming out with Virtual Riot mm-hmm. um, for, like, just, just drums, like, yeah. exclusively, like, rhythm and dubstep drums. It's got a cool name, um, and I'm going to put it all on, like, line very soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but if it's sometime soon, it'll probably be dropping at the same sort of time. So yeah, um, yeah. In the next month anyway. Mm-hmm. So that'll be all. That'll be all available for everyone to sort of uh, grab off uh, off the internet when it's all dropped. There'll be a link to everything, and yeah, hopefully uh, everyone starts using my shit and yeah. their songs because that's kind of what I like. You know, I, I, I like. I think drums are such a massive part of dubstep or any EDM genre for that matter, or any genre of music. So like, if I can make as many six sample packs as I can make for different like things, like a future bass one with future bass fills and you know drum and bass ones with drum and bass breaks and just keep doing that, that's kind of my contribution. That's where I want to aim to be in the next few years is just like keeping Josh laced with like drum pa- uh, you know drum samples and stuff that he can use in, in, in the music mm-hmm. he makes. Because it kind of makes everyone's life easier when there's real good stuff to just drag and drop, you know? That's kind of the the new the new way of making tunes. I mm-hmm. think if you're sat there like programming all day long, it kind of gets super boring when you're trying to put down an idea. So that's yeah. kind of that's my thing. I want to get like new and creative drum loops in the mix and make dubstep a bit more dynamic and fun and live and real. That's my aim. That's my goal. Yeah. Yep. Day to day, if he's doing more of the producing, are you more? Of, do you do more of the the live, like live performance, like getting into that, or day to day? How do your roles so, uh, differ? So we like well, we do shows together. Yeah. We prepare for shows together, so that side of it's kind of uh, kind of normal. It's mm-hmm. more just like Josh will have a lot of times in the diary when we're not touring. There's no shows, and it might be like two weeks, or even like 
five days in between shows and it'll just be like block booked out with like EP production so he'll know exactly how long he has and the deadline will be in that month at some point and he'll just have maybe like two block book weeks to work on it mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that works now normally we used to write as you know when we were four people there'd be four people in a room but like I said Josh is there uh, since he's been like in LA since we moved over here I think just hanging around hanging around with a whole bunch of people on Disciple it's like they almost treat music production like a game it's 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 like you know like let me see your new ids like you know and people go go home and whip up two or three new ones it's um it's just like the, the speed at which people are making like really sick playable music has just gone tenfold in the last few years so now that josh is kind of like on that it's yeah it's like you know if you, if you blink you might miss a tune Mm -hmm. um, I know we made a drum and bass one last night. I saw him tweet about it. So, <laughs> you know, but that's, mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. When, when inspira inspiration is, is, is kind of striking, you've got to go with it. What does success mean to Modestep? Ooh, that's a very difficult question. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain we can consider ourselves successful. The amount of stuff we've come, kind of come through. Mm -hmm. um, and we're still an act, you know. It's been almost 10 years for, for Josh um, and six for me. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say what is success? Will you ever know if you're killing it at the time? Probably, probably not. You'll probably look back after six months or a year and be like, holy fuck, man, that summer festival season killed it. But, yeah. you know, you won't know until you're on your headlining dates playing to, you know, an, an eighth of that many people. You won't know until, you know, you feel it. You know, there's certain sobering things in, in, in the music industry that will kind of make you feel like unsuccessful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king, so. Mm -hmm. You just gotta take the rough with this move. Yeah, we have. I'd say we're successful. Yeah. Right? And, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it. Dubstep took a dip, and like our own country, where where it's from, wouldn't play it on the radio. You know, it, it was getting no love. So, for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep, even in all of that climate, mm. you know, he, you know, when you could have been playing house and other things. You know, and I'm not naming names, I'm not chatting shit, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't, you know, stray too far from the path of the cause. So, like, I always say the same band comes back to them every time, but Iron Maiden have done the same record for, like, 35 years. It's always the same branding, it's the same type of tunes, it's, it's like, that's why they're, they're still relevant and they're still big today and still selling sh shows out, because you know, they've given their fan base exactly what they want. So once you have a fan base, which most of have, it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they, they don't want or, or, or are interested in. You know, yeah. you, you know, but at the same time as playing to like the people that make you a band, you got to keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled. So it's, it's a balance. Yeah, it's a I love balance. this. Yeah, thank you so much. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Bye.